The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT, with Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast. Well, my next guest interviewed my good friend Mark Crispin Miller recently. Uh, I started a podcast with Mark Crispin Miller during COVID era called The Propaganda Police. Uh, We discussed the Great Reset, what's going on in the world, tyrannical control takeover, the anti-medical freedom movement. And so my next guest is also very passionate about all those areas of life, including spiritual stuff, and is a classically trained Musician Tessa Lena is a strongly opinionated musician, writer, and philosopher living in New York City. She is a classically trained pianist and singer born and raised in Moscow. As a teenager, Tessa had the honor of performing her composition at the Moscow Conservatory and wanted to be a geneticist. But now she is a freedom fighter and she is here with us now. Now, Tessa, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I am very good. Thank you. It's my joy to be in your show, Joseph. Thank you. It's my joy to have you. Yeah, I saw that interview you did with my friend Mark Crispin Miller. Um, how did you? How did that come to be? Well, I've been friends with Mark for God knows how long, ten years, fifteen years, something like that. So I've known Mark forever, and so that came along very easy. And mm. you know, we wanted to talk about things, and I have a podcast, so we did that. And well, that. that- a very good interview and of course youtube took it down two years later it just took it down a couple of weeks ago from 2021 oh it's up now though it's up now Uh, that's where i saw it i saw it on youtube so they put it back a tiny little piece left oh i see just a tiny piece ah well i mean were you surprised coming from moscow um being somebody who's engaged in spiritual concerns um maybe somebody who thinks a lot about issues of freedom um, coming from your background. Were you surprised what happened in America over the last like three or four years? Do you want to go into the heavy stuff right away? Dramatic heavy stuff. Well, we can go into whatever you want to go into, but I mean, <laughs> and also we do, we don't have to talk about the heavy stuff dramatically. It can lead to spiritual stuff and all that kind of thing. But I'm just curious if I guess, I'm just curious as to what your sort of formation into who you are now, how it's affected you, how um, the COVID era, what we've gone through socially and as a society has affected your life and and what you do now to your day in day life. Well, it would have to be heavy stuff then. And I was not talking about zodiac signs. I was talking the real life heavy stuff. So Mm. being over there, in Moscow, I was a kid when the Soviet Union fell apart. And my generation didn't really have anything to do with taking it down per se, I was too little. So, but we danced at the ruins and we're very happy about that and just thrilled. And, you know, we were hoping that we were going to have a democracy like in America, say reference to our democracy. That's a pun. So, and then I found myself in America. And one thing led to another. I was going to school for IT out of all things. And then I married a guy who was abusive. Long story short, it was really horrible. And then he ratted me to authorities. He slandered me. I was arrested. I spent a month in jail. That was during Bush. 
And I was a little bit disappointed in our democracy. That was a very unexpected experience for me because I believed in all that. I believed in the beauty of Western law and order. And that was completely lawless what happened to me. And when you're in jail, they treat you really badly, very, very badly. And it was a very dramatic story, very, very traumatic as well. And it took me a long time to get over that. But as a result, as a result of all that, I was uh, inoculated. And again, I'm doing a pun, of course, but I was inoculated against this whole rosy dream about perfect democracy in America in the West. So from that point on, I didn't really expect perfection. And nonetheless, even though I was writing about transhumanism and big tech for at least 10 years prior to 2020, and by the way, screaming from the rooftops about it and nobody wanted to listen, I swear. I was talking about transhumanism, absolutely nobody cared. But even so, I was very surprised by 2020 because I thought that maybe something like that may happen sometime after my lifetime. And then in March 2020, as I saw things happening that I was writing about and writing music about and performing live about, I saw it unfolding before my eyes and I was very shocked. And I was very shocked that a lot of people didn't see through what was going on. And that was the point when I decided to open my mouth about COVID, COVID health response. Uh, I wrote my first article about it and then Substack, April 2020. And I had to part effectively with all of my musician activist friends with whom I fought against big tech prior to 2020. And it was a bit of a difficult process. I mean, I had to say something. I could, I just couldn't keep my mouth shut because I was thinking, what if it's early, like early Nazi Germany? And if I say nothing, I would be ashamed to look at myself in the mirror. So I had to say something. And I knew where my friends were going, as I'm sure you shared the same experience as I know. My friends were going in another direction. My very brave, wonderful, beloved musician friends, New Yorkers, were going in the polar opposite direction. And I loved them. And I still love them, even though we haven't really talked for a long time. So that was that. I opened my mouth. On Substack, then that was in April 2020. Then in October 2020, I wrote an uh, article. I poured my soul into that. It was called "Great the Great Reset for Dummies." I really did it out of desperation because I really wanted to pour everything that I've been collecting for years and combine it with poetry and philosophy and analysis and make it palatable for the people who've never heard about it. And somehow I succeeded at that. So, I mean, I just, I didn't have a lot of subscribers at the time. I poured it out. I posted it. And all of a sudden, everybody reposted it. Like, Zero Hedge, this, that, that. I mean, people were emailing me. My friends were emailing me. Like, we read you here. We read you there. I was like, what are you talking about? I had no idea. So that was that was kind of a surprise to me. And, and I, I guess I never looked back. And there have been many permutations of the medical freedom movement, as I'm sure you know, since then. And I've been humbled many times in my rosy expectations of what was about to happen as far as uniting and fighting the Great Reset. But here we are. And where exactly do you think that we are? Because 
I it's hard to find your footing in it. I mean, I I like you had lots of resistance, lost all my musical friends, basically, you know, got cast out and chastised and smeared and all the rest of it. Um, but now it seems like society is is uh, uni like mostly unified that there was some that the whole thing was handled poorly the the lockdowns the masks don't work i think most people are suspicious about the jabs it's not controversial to bring up ivermectin for instance anymore um have friends come back around to you and do you feel that we're in a better place than we were back then or do you see looming dangers well i guess a little bit of everything some of the friends came back, most didn't, and I still love them, but most of them weren't aggressively against me. The only couple of people were aggressively against me over the past four years. Uh, most of them, I kind of just stopped talking, not as a dramatic scene, but I just stopped talking to, and I guess they lost interest in me, I lost interest in them, and I made a tremendous amount of wonderful new friends over the past four years and really high quality friendships are really amazing and beautiful and so warming. And I, I cannot complain. I love it. That part I love. As far as the rest, I went through the whole trajectory of uh, being excited and then being philosophically humbled because in 2020, the world, the way the way uh, the world looked to me, I thought, okay, so there's this, horrible thing happening the great reset the globalists the attempt to completely restructure society to steal everything from everybody so that's obvious people are going to see that and now we the freedom fighters are going to unite and for the good cause and come together in love and our hearts and all that that didn't quite happen there was a moment when it kind of started happening then i believe that the powers that maybe they got to work and then they invested into human weaknesses, perhaps. So people started really being focused on rivalries and disagreements. And some of them are probably natural. Some of them are manufactured. And it eventually turned into something completely different. And I started getting disappointed in 2021. But when I say disappointed, I'm still doing what I'm doing. I think that no matter what happens historically or presently, it is still our job to be our absolute best self, to uh, give our voice to the truth, to be brave and to be loving. I mean, that's a given for the entire lifetime. But I became disappointed in the movement in the way I saw that as a united, beautiful, mm. rosy thing. And then as different issues started coming up, I realized that a lot of the people including the people I love dearly, they are in the movement for different reasons than I am. Mm -hmm. I am there for the reasons that I detest abuse of fellow human beings. And I, of course, detest the abuse of me, but I detest abuse universally, completely regardless of ancestry, political beliefs. I would defend people who I completely disagree with. I would defend their freedom and their right to be dignified. Then... It appeared that to some of the people, the plight uh, against the Great Reset was really a plight for their kind. And I understand that. But 
it was a bit of a disappointment. And sorry, what was a plight for you said a plight for their what? Their kind? For their kind, for their tribe, for their psychographic. Oh, for their kind. And there could okay, be different yeah. ways to look at it. So hmm. it came to abuse. The COVID abuses are bad because they are directed at me. Other abuses are fine. And right. when I saw that, I became disappointed. And it started before the, the, the horrible situation in Gaza right now. It started before that. where Really? Uh, like what, what was the situation before that? Because the first time I noticed exactly what you're talking about was the situation in Gaza. That struck me the same way you're describing it. Like, I was like, how do you not see that uh, calling someone anti-Semitic for wanting a ceasefire is the same as calling them a grandma killer for questioning the jab? How do you not see that? And and, and that was uh, striking to me, but you say it happened before that. How did it happen before that? I guess, uh, well, Prior to COVID, most of my friends were on the left side formally. And as an immigrant, I didn't really care about politics. Well, I never cared about politics at home either. But in America, being an immigrant, I didn't really understand it in the same way uh, people who are born here understand it. So I kind of just adopted the politics of my friends without caring for it. And being in New York and previously in Chicago, and being a musician, you can imagine the politics of my friends was very specific, and I adopted it. And I didn't really interact with the people on the right uh, for many years. I guess my in-laws from the horror story were conservative, but I didn't even know anything about it back then. So then when COVID happened, my lefty friends went to the to another planet. And a lot of my new friends were conservative and we really bonded over COVID. And I love my friends dearly, regardless of the politics. I don't, I don't really, my friendship is far more important to me than their politics or my politics. And I don't really have politics. My politics is just don't abuse other human beings. But then initially when the pressure was, oh, like we are about to be sent to camps. You probably remember how it was in 2020, really high tension, really high pressure. So the National Guard is coming over the second and we're all going to end up in camps and they're going to hold us down and vaccinate us. So the, the, the tension was really high and people were really bonding, like the sincere people were really bonding over that. And then as time went by, the pressure became kind of constant, but less. And the, so people kind of relaxed back into their full political identity and it became more obvious that I didn't quite agree on certain items with some of my friends, where they would be hating Muslims or hating immigrants and things like that. And I am extremely thick-skinned. I grew up in, in Moscow. Russians are pretty... Uh, well, I don't like the word racist because it's a stupid word. But I guess that would apply. I mean, like, that's just the culture. It's very much peasant, like everyday peasant racism where people would think, oh, this category is horrible people. That category is also horrible people. But if you are in this category, come on, we'll give you tea and cookies. So in real life, everybody loves everybody almost. But mm. they're all those 
theoretical prejudices. So I'm not really triggered by people being theoretically prejudiced against anybody, including against Russians. I've I've seen it all, and I've experienced many things that are like very dramatic. But then when people started demanding agreement from me, saying, "Okay, is that they would be mad that I don't hate migrants, for example, or that I don't hate Muslims at all." There would be, like, you know, like little trigger points, like little pre-COVID trigger points. Will be like Tessa, like right. I love you, but come on, you got to see that, like Muslims are bad people, like things like that, and that was, again, I never really go to war over talking points. I've lived in different cultures under different isms, uh, under different ideologies. I am very good at filtering out people's ideas and just going for the heart and communicating with the person. That's my philosophy and my practice. But I had to realize that all of those bonds, they were with some people, regardless of the politics, they're amazing tight bonds. And then with some of the people, they're kind of partial bonds, like comrades on a cause, allies on a cause. And and then, you know, how I write something that appeals to this demographic than those other people unsubscribe. Then I, like, but, but I'm like 360. So then I write kind of the contradictory, like the other direction, that other group of, uh, so, so mm. I'm philosophical about it. I still insist that abusing anybody is not good. And yeah. by now I'm at peace, more or less. You are. Well, we're going to figure out how you got there. I, I, I reckon being humbled was part of that. Usually being humbled is a gift. In the end, it's painful to do it. And I totally agree with you. When you paint any group of people with the same brush, you're always wrong. It's it's uh, it's always wrong to do that. People are individuals. And yes, they're parts of tribes and groups and races and stuff. And, you know, there are some stereotypes that resemble truth, but you, it's always, uh, it's always fa uh, a faulty philosophy. If you paint a whole group of people with the same brush, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after these words on TNT. TNT's Abby Roberts. So this is the headline in The Guardian. Pleasure of sex is a gift from God, but avoid porn. Pope advises. What is it with religious people and sex? Isn't there anything else that's 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 more important to worry about? And this is what uh, this is what Pope Francis uh, say. I'm gonna I'm gonna read it in an Italian accent just to be even more offensive. Sexual pleasure is a gift from God, but Catholics must avoid pornography. Pope Francis has said. The pontiff. Oh, I'll tell you what though, he was all for giving people lots of pricks during 2021. Bloody hell, mRNA's fine, but just not porn. Abby Roberts on TNT. I said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe, and I thought, you know, what are we going to do if I die here? <laughs> How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. 
please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service and help save lives in the bush. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. Turn it up, down. TNT. And we're back with Tessa Lena. We're talking about being humbled in the Kova era and maybe how that leads to a spiritual awakening. You you write about spirituality, and I'm not talking about astrology and all those kind of things either. I'm wondering, though, how you were humbled. I was also humbled, so I can relate to this, and this is like one of my favorite subjects to talk about because um you know when we do get humbled it's of course painful and none of us will voluntarily go there necessarily maybe a saint would i certainly wouldn't but the end result is a deeper connection um i guess to what you could call god to presence to um you know a sort of dissolution of your ego in a way um describe for me your experience in being humbled how that came to be and what the result of that was uh well a part of it what uh was what we just talked about in terms of having to accept the fact that the fixes are not going to be quick and that the beautiful coming together the freedom movement did not happen and in fact it may not happen and history is going to go how it usually goes and yet each of our choices do matter which seems like a paradox psychologically but it makes perfect sense i think philosophically because we are a tiny 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 but very important drop in a large infinite almost ocean and if you take out many drops the ocean is going to be smaller right so we do matter, but sometimes we do not see the consequences of our good deeds quickly, or maybe we don't see them in, in our lifetime at all. But the the specific process was, I guess, it's something that started in 2021 when I started looking at the medical freedom movement and realizing that you know, some people may not be the good actors and they're not the popular characters who everybody's scolding, like not at all. And and it seemed so obvious to me, but other people would not even consider that. And I just saw the psychological manipulation into division, into hatred, into fear inside the freedom fighter camp. And... Mm away from things that would be actually useful like for example yeah. go ahead yeah well i wanted to like you know add in that where i see that most prominently in terms of medic the sort of medical freedom movement is the virus theory versus the terrain theory and i i don't i mean i don't know why that i mean i i think I think it's important i guess that issue but people are going to war ag against each other with that and to me there's a much bigger battle to fight and i think you know people should just be able to disagree about these things without taking it personally and starting to sort of slam each other and yeah i mean the truth movement is vulnerable to the same uh human foibles as as anyone else basically i guess is what you're saying more or less 
And I completely agree with you. As far as the uh, debate about viruses, right now there's a new reiteration. Say that there was or was not a pandemic or else you're a traitor. And it breaks my heart. Uh, Even though I think it's extremely manipulated, so it's more of the same. So what I think is happening is the powers that may be they have very sophisticated techniques some straightforward some extremely non-straightforward of going after specific psychographic or even people and so they would take out remember how before 2020 they took out the proverbial liberals with hitler trump we're all going to die and it became a hysteria, like completely irrational hysteria. Regardless of the merits of Trump, I'm not a Trump person. I, I'm not, a, politicians are very similar in my eyes for the most part, with rare exceptions. So, but nonetheless, there, were, there was genuine fear-based hysteria. Then it was something else for the freedom fighters. So it became so that okay so you either accept every talking point that i think half of it are are coming from the cia but that's another matter but so you either accept this entire package of talking points or else you're a traitor you're a bad person you're you're suspicious and those the shape of that list of talking points keeps changing and i don't think it's natural um i mean I am sure it's not natural at all, just based on how people behave. And when I see extremely wonderful people, people whom I love and respect, all of a sudden start acting like somebody poisoned their soup and dedicating all of their effort to like debunking somebody in public bitterly 24-7. Well, guess what is not happening while they're doing that? They're actually not doing their job to defeat the greater set. And and I think it's on mm. purpose. And I think this is how movements are taken down. And the thing is that every human being has a weakness. Uh, you know, some people are vain. Some people are insecure. Some people have a chip on their shoulder and really want recognition. Some people are angry. They have some unresolved anger. And there's a way you know, to tap into any kind of weakness and pit people against yeah. each other. And without a doubt, there are people who are actually yeah. bad actors, but I don't yeah. think they're the ones, you know, they're good, yeah. those people. No, for, I, I I hear exactly everything that you're saying. I Lately, uh, yeah, there was a certain point where, and, and I still sometimes, you know, say edgy things or respond, uh, you know, to, the way I would have back in the day you know when i was first speaking out about mrna or or questioning it openly and in public and taking lots of fire for it my main motivation really was to inform people to like because i wanted to help people i thought people were in danger and getting faulty information and needed to question things and that turned out to be true and i didn't think they had the information or were getting it so i wanted to be part of an information chain that I could maybe inspire some people to look a little deeper and question things a little bit. And I would have endless conversations with people in my social circles 
where, you know, they, they would just be brick walls resisting to everything I was saying. And at a certain point, there was like enough information out there. And I got really demotivated to keep, you know, tweeting the same sort of stuff or writing the same stuff on social media. Now I prefer mainly to write about um, spiritual stuff and, and things that I think can help you find your center in presence. Like that's sort of a big motive for me now because I want to just, I don't really want to like, I see division as this real big problem, like Mark Crispin Miller was saying in your interview. And I don't want to be part of that, even though I will still take stands that are divisive, but I am mainly motivated to talk about things that are universal and not light, but that can help empower individuals in general that aren't rooted in division, even though you can veer into religion pretty easily when you talk about these things, which are also, you you know, you can't be lukewarm about stuff, so to speak. So talk to me about that, because you write about spirituality, too. And is this something you've uh, come to as well, that you want to, like, just promote things that could help individuals? But this is what I've been mostly doing on my Substack previously on my website. Well, I had a website, testifiedsrobots.com, and I'm not doing much with that website right now. But I was writing about philosophy, but also big tech, the practical things and transhumanism and things like that. With COVID, I started mostly talking about philosophy, but practical philosophy and not watery, I hope. And what I like to do is combine information with spiritual philosophical take because I think mm. that is useful. What I found, and it's interesting, is that yeah, I think the way Western, Western mind works, yeah. The way Western mind works, people are trained to feel smart by having information. And mm. the powers may be are using that very nicely because, right. and you know how it's been in the medical freedom movement just in the past four years, where suddenly a new figure shows up with a new twist on information. And then, you know, the attention flows there and everybody wants to know the latest spicy takedown of who is the controlled opposition, like, and all that. And all of a sudden, all the spotlight goes there. And to me, in most cases, it looks pretty damn manufactured and on purpose, but it exploits this need of the Western mind to feel in control of the situation by knowing, I know who the players are, I know what they're up to, which it is funny because I wrote about the Great Reset. I wrote this big essay about the Great Reset in 2020, and a gazillion of people told me that that was their entry point and it really helped them understand. And I am extremely happy and grateful that it happened. But it seems like now, the topic of the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, it's become just something like, I don't know, uh, Donald Trump bad, Orange Man bad, Klaus Schwab bad. Mm. It became almost toothless and almost on purpose because we can gossip about what they're doing. And it's good to be educated. It's good to be informed. But it seems like the energy is directed toward this Oh, I'm going to shake my fist at the screen thinking about Klaus Schwab. Well, is it bringing about any change? I don't think so. And with the things from the inside, this is what actually brings the change, I think, 
but it's a very slow process. So if we set the goal as defeating the Great Reset, like underline, that's what we're doing. We're defeating the Great Reset. Well, it may take a very long time. It may take actually a few centuries because this Great Reset is just a continuation of a very, very long tradition of abuse and uh, subduing people and dominating people. So it's just a version, just a flavor. So we have to really unroll the entire thing. And the majority of people absolutely do not want to deal with it. Like, absolutely not. They can go against the globalists or go against. They can scold the globalists on the internet. And that's it. If you start talking about what happened to the indigenous, for example, which is the same damn thing, same globalists, just different demographic, that's something that they don't want to talk about often. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. So how do we defeat the Great Reset? Because I want to do that. So my feeling about it at the second is that the only way to defeat them is to do what I call uh, defeating or rejecting the tyrant in the mirror. Just stop supplying that energy that feeds them. Stop supplying, doing anything that is like them. If they want to dominate, if they want to cheat, if they want to abuse, just refuse to do that in your own life. And can you yeah. imagine how powerful would it be if 10 million people, 100 million people just refuse to participate in abuse in everyday ways? That would be amazing. Yeah, you're talking, though, about the takedown of, of your own ego, basically, because that's what they're feeding into. When you say what people, you know, the vulnerability that they're striking is people feeling smart by knowing information. And, and I agree with you, and I've fallen to it myself. Uh, and I probably still do. Um, and I agree with you as well that the problem is almost always centered in the human ego and, and thought-based identity. And if you really want to transcend this, you know, you follow Jesus's example of being in the world and not of it. So you're not emotionally triggered by this stuff. And you can look at it with a sort of lightness of being and a sense of humor and be rooted in the spirit and fearless there and speak your mind um so how do you propose doing that how are you writing now that's instructing people in that general direction i think that the honest take on it is that it's an individual process and there is zero formula for that because the american mind generally and the western mind and even the russian mind to some extent likes this like one two three easy thing that I follow those steps and here we go, I'm at my destination. I don't think it, it's possible to really go about it this way. I think that deciding to be humble. Well, I would say this and, and remember your point, but I would say that there is a formula for it, though. I mean, it's not an easy formula, but there is formulas for it. I mean, uh, a lot of great people have given those formulas out. I mean, you know, Jesus is sort of famous for it, but there's also other gurus and spiritual healers and teachers that can point you to the direction. I mean, one such thing is forgiveness, you know, forgive others is, uh, you know, forgive my trespasses and I'll forgive other people's. I forget exactly how that goes at the top of the moment, but you know what I mean? So there are formulas, there are like spiritual truths that if we follow, um, will lead us in that direction. Now, people 
crossing um, from a sort of thought-based identity into an awareness-based identity or an identity of presence, um, that is a Rubicon that they have to cross alone and and it will be an individual process. But there, I would argue that there are some formulas that you can guide people with. Well, I'm going to dance with you here a little bit because Let's dance. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing, and that's my grudge with the modernity and with the modern idea of philosophy. And it has a little bit to do with the uh institutional version of the christian tradition as well the idea of grafting you know the whole ideology at the cusp of saying that the, the pagans are horrible people and now we you know the judeo christian people are great that was the idea of grafting like grafting that's judge but that's that's judgment and condemnation though no real christian would would uh would align themselves with that view because that's the original sin that's the knowledge of good and evil that was the first apple we took a bite of which goes to transhumanism because it's on the back of every device that's stealing the soul of every person i see walking down the street scrolling through their phone relentlessly me included sadly sometimes but let me take a quick break and remember everything you're about to say right after I these words on tnt <laughs> my name's stacy i'm 57 and i was adopted in 2020. we were adopted in 2019 and we were adopted in 2021. we had a house um, and it sounds crazy but it wasn't a home the one thing that jake and emma brought is it became a home when i met dakota he had just turned 14. You weren't there for the first this and the first that. I missed the first words, but we got a lot of other firsts. I'm watching her say, oh my God, I cannot believe I got my license. And she's like, I passed. And I'm like, girl. <laughs> See them grow. It is. They chose to love us. They didn't have to. They chose us. Family. You and you. Kids in the middle. What I thought was a complete life was nowhere near complete. <laughs> but it is now. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit adoptuskids.org. Even the mighty might not see it coming. It's pre-diabetes and it captures one in three adults, but you can escape. Take the one-minute pre-diabetes risk test to know where you stand and prevent or delay type 2 diabetes. Be your own hero on smartphones everywhere at doihaveprediabetes.org. Joseph Arthur and his Technicolor Dreamcast on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Can you guide people into personal freedom or not? Tessa, I think, is saying that maybe you can't. Maybe you can. I don't know. She was about to throw down with me here. What do you got to say, Tessa? What was going on? Well, we're going to continue dancing. So you happen to step into the focal point of my entire work. So I am very inspired. So the thing is, is that that's my personal discovery, is that you cannot really externally force anybody to accept the truth it's impossible so the the insights have to align and i think that the spiritual forces that are interested in us 
being aligned with the truth, you know, with God, with the spiritual forces, good spiritual forces, however people call that, they help us at all times and they nudge us and they really direct us towards where we need to be in order to figure that out. And sometimes when people are very stubborn, it comes in the form of difficulties. And I know that in my own case, even though I've always really wanted to understand how the world works and what it's all about, it's been to me the most important thing in the entire world since I was a kid. Even so, many of the things that I had to let go, like the habits or the ideas that didn't really serve me anymore or at all, I only let go of them when I was stuck against the wall in the corner and desperate. And I never really sought to learn things the hard way, not at all, but life often arranged for that. And I've had many, many very, very dramatic and strange situations, thanks to which... Yeah, it, it always will arrange for... It'll always arrange it that way, though. There's no way anyone is going to give up ego domination without being pressed up against a wall. No, it'll never happen. I mean, maybe a saint could make that happen, but... 99.99999% of people need to bottom out on their life and what's working for them. And of course, you can't force anyone into sort of a spiritual realization at all. But there are a lot of people out there that are at that point of being backed against a wall and in our world more and more than ever and are looking for guidance and instruction. And some of our greatest teachers and healers across all of history have certainly helped a lot of people by putting that information out there and putting out good guidance towards getting there forgiveness being a key one um things like that things like letting go of unresolved anger and 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 practicing presence and there's different ways different people are going to word that that some will resonate with and some won't none of this stuff is an original message everything all the wisdom in the world that can get you to a place of being in peace is already here so you're not gonna say something new um that hasn't been said before but you could say it in a way that some people will resonate with it they won't get it unless you say it and i believe that okay so we agree on that i think that we have different wording to describe a very similar thing because you're an artist and I'm an artist. So what I discovered works is being spiritually open in the expression and honest and also thoughtful, as in only say things when you when they're useful, which is I, I try to do it at all times. Uh, when I believe something is true, I only say it if I think it can have a good effect. Otherwise, I don't say it or I wait. So, but what a person, another person, or a book can do, in my observation, is that they can inspire a certain spark or a thought process or a feeling. They can trigger something. It's never direct. Triggering, in that sense, does exist very much. And poetry mm. and music and spiritual conversation have that effect. They can inspire. Yeah. So I think that the truth always comes from the inside and from the spirit world. But people in this world or books or poetry or art can bring upon the energy that sends the person in the right direction. 
Exactly. At the same time, we agree, if you then. moralize, we agree. Yeah, exactly. At the same time, when you moralize, that somebody say, "Do not do this." Right. At some point, no. the person is going to do it, and then yeah. if that was a really good advice, then the person will hurt. Like for example, if you tell somebody, "Don't stick your finger in the electric outlet," and then. It's like, what do you mean I shouldn't? I mean, I'm going to do it, right? And then if a person does that and hopefully stays alive, and then it's like, oh, like that's why. And I found that one of the best ways to learn something is to do things wrong. It's just how life has it organized. That's how, you know, the good spiritual forces have it organized, where anything we do, it somehow transforms into good learning. And... It's good to learn in the kindest way. That's my prayer always for everybody and for this world and even for this whole great reset horrible situation. I always pray for the kindest resolution, for the kindest learning. And I think it's possible at some point when people make enough mistakes, they really try to to, to learn in the kindest way. But up until yeah. a certain point, especially when somebody is like a child or teenager, they are likely to make a lot of mistakes before they start, you know, doing things correctly. And speaking of forgiveness, that's a big point for me. I wrote it like that was one of the most well-read well articles on my Substack about forgiveness. And I think really humility and forgiveness come hand in hand because if you see yourself in other people making horrible mistakes, then it's a lot easier to forgive them. And I distinguish between the people who are who have made a choice in this lifetime or at this current time to do evil, and I mean proper evil, to steal, to vampire, to abuse, like a conscious choice. That's a whole other matter. They have a different spiritual path. I believe that at some point they come around and become like on the good side as well. But that's none of my, I, I cannot help them. You know, they're walking their path. It's between them and God. But uh, as far as people who just make mistakes honestly and even do things that are hurtful, when I think about the mistakes that I made, it's easier for me to forgive them. For example, when I was in that abusive marriage, I was in denial of that for a long time. It was very hard for me. Well, not, not a long time, I guess months, but it was very hard for me an extremely well-educated person going to top schools and like getting my first wonderful job in America, the, all that. To imagine that I was in an abusive relationship at the same time, that just didn't connect intellectually because my perception of myself was I'm this lucky, smart person. You know, I may do little stupid things here and there, but nothing grand like this. So... When I found myself in that situation, it was genuinely really bad, like physical abuse, bad. And I was in denial. I was, my brain was making different stories for myself that it's not, it's not really happening. It's, it's not that like, bad. It was right, also right. tra trauma bonding happens and it's, there's a whole psychological rabbit hole as to why we stay in those situations. I mean, it, it's um, it, betrayal there's a book even called the betrayal bond it's a bonding agent really betrayal and trauma i mean in a way too like there's a lot of people suffering from stockholm syndrome 
from what society has cast upon them. There's some people that are in total denial about what's even happened <laughs> because they've been traumatized and there's a sweet mean cycle to it. So you, the denial is egged on by the abuser in the fact that it's not just a, a torrent of abuse nonstop because it's uh, interlaced with sweet mean cycles and them being ultra sweet and apologetic and telling you they've changed and all the rest of it. Exactly. But my point is that when 2020 happened, A, being through that experience of horrible abuse made me see what was going on, what the state was trying to do, was exactly mm -hmm. the same what my abusive spouse same was thing. trying to do to me. At the yeah. same time, it allowed me to be very kind towards the ones who went for that abuse, who believed the abuser, because in them I saw an older version of me or younger version of me, however you turn it around. But it's, I saw in them my own mistakes. And while some of my friends in the medical freedom movements were going about like going angry and how can they see those horrible people, the comedians and all that, I didn't feel that way at all. And I even thought that it's actually, I still think that it's wrong to go about it this way because people are people. I mean, wrong, anger is understandable because there was a lot of trauma and I wrote about it and I felt it and I get it. But at the same time, in those people who stay into the mainstream, even yelled at the anti-vaxxers out of fear, I saw that little abused child who is in denial of being abused and it helped me get through that. And it helped me forgive mm -hmm. them. Even though I'm waiting for some of them to apologize to me very much, I really want them to apologize to me, but I'm not angry at them. Yeah, I'm not really waiting around for an apology or thinking about that much at all. I mean, I, I resonate with everything you just said. And another addition to that is, um, you can see them as vulnerable people who uh, sort of cast abuse upon you, but also you can see our battle is with principalities and not with flesh and blood. And so I also like to look at people who do things that are harmful as it's not even really coming from their true self. It's coming from a demonic, a form of demonic possession. Do you ever look at it like that? I agree with you. I usually use different terminology for that. But I agree with that. I think that that's also a good way for somebody to deal with it because I think a lot of the tragedy and a lot of the pain that happened in the freedom community is being came from being betrayed from by uh, being betrayed by loved ones and uh, you know spouses and friends and coworkers and that was very painful. So if you look at it in a similar way to what you just described it's not really them it's like a ghost they are possessed in a way and it doesn't have to be viewed in a christian way necessarily if somebody's christian then that's how they view it but it doesn't really have to be that way it's kind of this foreign entity that is vampiring them and making them do those things and making them exhausted and depleted and scared it's not really them it's still their responsibility yeah. to deal with that entity no doubt that's right but but and they, they better do that for their own interest but nonetheless yeah. it's you know it's way complex and it, their true self makes is it, kind and loving yeah it makes it easier to forgive them when you know it's it's everybody's doing the best they can you know and and sometimes that's uh 
um, not very good at all, but still, I, I really do believe that in a way. Um, when you, you write a lot about transhumanism, and I'm wondering what your take is on the sort of so-called alien invasion and uh, Tucker Carlson talking about how it's it's so dark and crazy he won't even talk to his wife about it. Um, I went down some rabbit holes there that aligned the so-called alien invasion with uh, secrets of tech so that our tech is actually coming from, um, I guess, demons from other dimensions or like people that mean us no good. And whether or not you think that's real tinfoil hat stuff or not, I mean, what's what's uh, irrefutable is the corrosive effect our technology is having on our sort of relationship with our soul and our ability to get to those places of connecting to God or spirit, however you want to frame it. Uh, well, we could talk just about that for about 10 hours. Because this is so interesting. And I love this conversation, Joseph, by the way. I love it. It's it's beautiful. So my conclusion as of this second, the practical one, is that I think for our own benefit is best to focus on our own scope because it's really easy to get carried away into the attractive, spooky stuff and God knows what energy is awaiting you there. And it might actually not be that innocuous. So... And the spiritual grounding is not spooky. Like spiritual grounding is very unglamorous and it's pleasant when you get there, but you don't have to read about, I mean, if you want to, you can, but you don't have to read books about MK Ultra, for example, in order to stay grounded or about alien invasions and things like that. As far as alien invasions, I personally ignore this topic for the most part because I think that our world is very complex. There are many dimensions, there are many things happening. So it's not really big news that there are all sorts of things happening in the universe. And the sensational stake on it does not interest me. I just ignore it. And I focus on things that interest me and spirituality that interests me. As far as transhumanism, I have been writing about it again for about 10 years or so prior to COVID. And I am mostly interested in the philosophical aspect of it because, for example, Ray Kurzweil, right, the father of, or, or one of the fathers of transhumanism. I know somebody who knew somebody who knows him, and I, allegedly he's a really miserable person, like really, really miserable person. So why would one day anybody want to live forever if they are already miserable in this lifetime? Paradox. And I went uh, through different ideas about this. First, I thought they were for real and they really believe in living forever. I think that in part it still exists, but it has nothing to do with transhumanism per se, not with the not, not, nothing to do with technology, uh, maybe a tiny little bit. But there's this version of immortality for the poor man, which is just a lie and a selling proposition, which is, oh, give us all your data, we'll build you, we'll build you digital clone. And you will live forever in this computer thing that is your digital clone. And that is such a blatant scam. And yeah, they so Tessa, still, uh, I would love to keep talking about this, but the, the news breaks about to come up. So we got to wrap it up. Tell people where to find you. Uh, Tessa, T-E-S-S-A dot substack dot com. 
Tessa, we got to continue this conversation. Clearly, yes. we have a lot to discuss. We're just getting started, but you'll have to come back on soon. And uh, I want to talk to you about Substack, too. Uh, oh, but absolutely. I hope you enjoyed yourself and we'll talk oh, again soon. Much. Thanks for coming on. Keep listening, everybody. We'll be right back with more on TNT.